Hey everybody, and welcome to Crime and Spirits Podcast, your one-stop shop for spooky stories, handcrafted cocktails, and all things true crime. I'm your host, Bree. And I am your other host, Seuss. I'm also the resident bartender here at Crime and Spirits. Because not only do we bring you a new case or topic of interest every week, but we also teach you a little something about mixology along the way. I mix up a drink that ties in in some way with our theme for the week and then walk you through how to make one for yourself so you can sip right along with us. We've been friends for years and one of our favorite things to do is mix up something delicious and throw on a true crime documentary, which is basically what this podcast has become. It is, however, better research than that. We promise. Yes. Cross our hearts. <laughs> we also have a script written out that we mostly follow. Mostly. Still, you can expect some tangents here and there. We also managed to find a way to mention criminal minds at least once, if not multiple times, per episode. You gotta give doctors a read all the while. Yes. And you also can't forget the cursing, because we definitely curse on this show. We try to keep things a little bit more conversational. Think less like Dateline and more like Girls' Night. Just replace the catty gossip with actual facts. And maybe just a little catty gossip. So come, hang out with us, learn a little something with us every Sunday, and make sure to join us on Instagram or Facebook at Crime and Spirits Pod. That is the word and. We'd love to chat with you about, I mean, whatever, really, but mostly true crime. So buckle up, buttercups. Sip tight. And let's get on with the show. Hello, my darlings, and welcome to this week's episode of Crime and Spirits. My name is Bree. And I'm Suze. And like we said, just welcome back. We've had a couple of hellish weeks here. I hope you guys are all having a better week than Susan and I have we had. We hope you're happy and <laughs> safe and in a great headspace because the two of us have a questionable mm-hmm. headspace right now. That's, that's a good way to put yes, it. Questionable. Yes, questionable. I, we, as you guys know, if you've listened to us for a while, you already know, Susan and I are both service industry workers. And my job is a barista at Starbucks, mm-hmm. and we launched our Christmas beverages last week, and it's oh, been, no. it's been busy. As soon as she texted me, I said, "Oh no!" <laughs> we I got our butts kicked these last few days. One of the stores in the city were closed, and it just overwhelmed us. Girl, I feel you. We had Veterans Day. Thank you for your service, gentlemen, mm-hmm. on Friday and women. And it was just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I basically worked open to close. Because if, if you don't know, I'm going to tell you I'm a bartender. And I love it. <laughs> what? But, no way. <laughs> oh, dear God. There were so many people out chugging drinks on Friday. It was just I'm astonishing sure. to me. <laughs> yeah. Loving it. I, the holidays are such a weird time, I feel like, for industry people. Because, like... It's supposed to be like happy, happy, joy, joy. But I am stressy, stress, <laughs> stress, stress. Well, and a lot of the Karens and Craigs really come out of the woodwork to torture us. So I'm already mm. trying to prepare myself mentally for Honestly. it. Because it's, you know, after 2020, a lot of people weren't traveling to shop and do stuff like that. But they're all, they're all back. Yeah, all I was going to say, I'm really feeling it this mm-hmm, year so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and also, it doesn't help <laughs> that we picked such... A case. We picked a case that makes us want to rage. It's true. I said our rage will carry us through, and I surely believe it will. So, if you guys haven't already figured it out from the title of this episode, mm-hmm. we are covering the disappearance of Kaylee Anthony, and then the subsequent trial of her mother, who became the most hated woman in America, mm-hmm. Casey Anthony. Mm-hmm. This bitch. 
I refuse to call it the Casey Anthony story. No, absolutely. It's mostly about Kaylee. Absolutely. So a couple of things before we get started. One, this is going to be a two-parter. Sorry in advance, but it is, there's just like a shit ton of information to get through. There's a lot about this case that I think that we need to understand context and nuances for. Absolutely. And so we made that decision to make it two parts. Plus, like we said, we're going to rage. And that brings us to point two. You know, as you guys know, Susan and I do our best to paint an impartial picture, despite having our very clear biases Mm -hmm. when it comes to these cases. Especially this one. (laughs) Right. We absolutely give our opinions, but at the very least, we do strive to provide you with at least all the relevant information, regardless of how we personally feel. This case will be no different in that sense, but as we've mentioned like six times already, this case really angers us. We're just really frustrated as most people are and uh we just kind of wanted to give you a heads up that we might be a bit more passionate if you will we we have some strong feelings here (laughs) very very much so um and we definitely need to give you a heads up about all the table flipping that could potentially be occurring (laughs) later also a quick warning in case you're not familiar with this case already it does include the death of a toddler and allegations of sexual abuse this case is infamous and most as most of you are listening, you're well aware who Casey Anthony is. If you like true crime as a genre whatsoever, right. this has to be on your radar. Oh, 100%. Also, I just feel like you couldn't escape it at the time because it no. was literally everywhere. So, again, we're just covering our bases here, sort of, kind of, you know. Yes, yeah. we do. Of course, because, you know, Susan and I and, you know, anyone else who may hang out with us along the way, we mean zero disrespect to the victims and to the families involved by doing this podcast. We are just here to learn and have a conversation and responsibly enjoy an adult beverage here Ooh, and there, of course. One or two. <laughs> so if you like what you're about to hear, please make sure to follow the pod on Instagram and Facebook at Crime and Spirits Pod. Twitter is at Crime Spirits Pod. If you'd like to follow us individually, make sure you stick around at the end and we'll hand out those Instagram handles to you. So now that we have finished the business, Suze, take it away. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you've been here before listening to us, you know that I usually like to tie the drink into the case in some way, shape, or form, be it in relation to the location itself or an old favorite from the area. Or a time period appropriate cocktail or shit at this point, even a color. If you'll remember, we did purple (laughs) Purple for witches. witches, Um, This case is just too heart-wrenching to try and tie in a cocktail. So my brain didn't even want to go there. I didn't want to go there. We're just not going to go there because I never mean any disrespect with my cocktail recipes. So instead... And if we're not feeling it, then we're just not feeling it. We're just going to see what else the universe brings us in in the way of liquor. (laughs) And this is a good... Thank you for the introduction, Brie. It's now story time about how I found the whiskey. Um, So this is old, smoky, salty watermelon whiskey. Yeah. Questionable. It's really fucking good, you guys. Yeah. So in case we haven't mentioned it before, we live right by two other states, New York to the east, Ohio to the west. I travel to Ohio a lot. I've got friends that live there. I go to sporting events there. Sometimes I just like to drive there specifically to go to a liquor store in Ashtabula. (laughs) I love this place. It's just a little tiny liquor store. You go in and it's just elbows to a-holes of liquor. It's like your go-to now. It's Mm -hmm. like your spot. Because for one, 
They have a lot of random stuff that I don't normally see in Pennsylvania. For example, this whiskey. For another example, that banana rum that we yeah. used in the Swamp Monster. I still have not mm. come across that. That one was good. Right? Um, and for two, they are significantly cheaper. Mm. I don't know if it's taxes because our liquor stores are state-run or what the deal is, but... Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think of that. So the reason that I was there on Monday was because my friend's bachelor party is this weekend. Obviously, I'm not attending, but they're having like a a scotch night. And I was like, you know, I would like to send some very good scotch off with you guys. So I bought a bottle of Lagavulin, which in Erie is $115 a bottle. Wowie. In Ashtabula, it is $85 a bottle. That's significant. So that was worth the drive to me. And while I was just browsing, because I like to browse, I just, that's what (laughs) I do, I found this whiskey and I was like, hmm, I didn't know this brand made whiskey. They, to me, are moonshine. Old Smokey is white lightning, moonshine, like. I've only ever had their moonshine products. So this whiskey was new to me and I was like. Let's give it a go for 20 bucks. I'm willing to take a shot in the dark if it's gross. So be it. We'll make it like a punishment shot for people that are a-holes or something. <laughs> Use it for like Dragula. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it turns out the shit is banging on its own. Um, and truly, this is how half of my cocktail recipes come together. I find something I'm determined to use and I find a recipe or something that or you some can, way like, pluck, start plugging to make in. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... There's the backstory. Now <laughs> on to the cocktail itself. <laughs> I'm going to call it a salty sour melon. <laughs> sort of like a whiskey sour and a mint julep, but with watermelon whiskey. And it's actually really great. So just bear with me. It might sound weird altogether, but it, it's really great. Um, first things first, you want to take mint. So take four to five mint leaves, muddle them, which basically is just smooshing them up. To release the essential oils. I have a muddler. I got it on Amazon. It was under $10. You can use a fork or the back of a spoon if you don't have a muddler. You just muddle it right in your glassware. Top that with ice. And then take two ounces of your salty watermelon whiskey. Add two ounces of sweet and sour mix. I made ours homemade from a recipe I found on Pinterest. Love you, Pinterest. You're the best. Pinterest is great. Um, You can purchase a store-bought variety, but the homemade stuff is literally four ingredients and takes all of, like, an hour, and most of it is just letting stuff cool down so that you can mix it. So Mm. it's just one cup of water, one cup of sugar, put it in a saucepan, simmer till the sugar dissolves, and then cool, and then add a half cup each of lemon and lime juices, put it in a mason jar, shake it up. It's good in your fridge for up to one week. So basically what you're saying is for those of us who have been around this whole time and have definitely made your simple syrup by now, mm-hmm. it's easy to just, that's, it that's is. the base of the, yep. of the sours. Right? It is. And honestly, buying the ingredients, you have sugar. I know you all have sugar. I know you all have water. Right. Lemon juice and lime juice. I just bought the pre-bottled stuff rather than mm-hmm. squeezing my own. If you're feeling froggy, by all means, squeeze away. I a lot of lemons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lemons. Well, depends. The yeah. lemons we had last week were like <laughs> very large, small baby charged. size. So, mm-hmm. yes. So you take anyway, as we go off on a tangent. Small baby size. Um. So you take two ounces of the sours mix, add it in on top of the whiskey, the ice, and the muddled mint. Uh, what I did was just flipped that whole glass into my shaker tin, gave it a little swizzle, stirred it with my little bar spoon, and then poured it right back into my glass. And then we just 
topped it with a little bit of club soda and did a nice little mint sprig for garnish mm -hmm. and it came out freaking delicious i have to say Ooh, yes right that i can't get over okay so we get together several times a week right now tuesday nights are dragula nights so we get any work done that we need to do and then we watch dragula titans, titans which is fucking awesome this season I was going to say, it just started, and I'm already obsessed, so, so there's great. that. So great. And so she brought the whiskey over, and she was like, you have to try this. And I did, and holy shit, it's just so watermelony. Like, it I is. Can't... I don't even, there's no bite to the whiskey. It just works so well in this salty, yeah. sour mm -hmm. deliciousness. And the mint, uh, mint and watermelon go together, it I've does. heard. It, it does. It's a weird... It's very good, though. It's nice and refreshing. I'm mm. sad we're drinking this in November, but also I'm glad we discovered it, because now we can have yeah. all the time. <laughs> Ooh, you know what would be good? Like a salty watermelon margarita? Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Ideas, ideas. All Maybe right. for the future. So are we ready? Mm. Yes. All right. We're going to get into things here. So we are in the summer of 2008 in Orlando, Florida. Cindy Anthony calls 911 for the second time that day, requesting that her daughter, Casey, be arrested. The call begins as follows. Do you want to be Cindy or do you want to be the 911 yep, operator? Yep, I'm going to start. I'm going to be Cindy. <laughs> All right, I'll be the 911 operator. I have someone here who I need to be arrested in my home. They're there right now. And I have a possible missing child. I have a three-year-old who has been missing for a month. A three-year-old? Have you reported that? I, I'm trying to do that now. Okay, what did the person do that you need arrested? My daughter. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. When the 911 operator asks Cindy what her daughter did for the second time in that conversation, she said, quote, stealing an auto and stealing money. She goes on to tell the dispatcher that her car was stolen by Casey on June 30th, and that she was just got it back from the impound. Cindy asks that an officer come out to her home. This all took place on July 15th. Earlier that day, Casey's father, George, receives an unexpected phone call from a tow yard. He learned that Casey's Pontiac Sunfire had been impounded and went to go get it. The car was technically owned by Cindy and George. That's why they got the phone call. But Casey used it as like her main mode of transportation. Mm -hmm. So, mm. the yard attendant takes George to where the vehicle was located for the past two weeks at this point, and they both noticed a strong odor coming from the trunk as they approached. Mm. They proceed to look inside, but only found a garbage bag. George had a, huh, that's weird kind of moment, because to him, it felt like this odor was that of a decomposing body. Now, I know that first thought might seem like a leap, but George was a former police officer and was likely quite familiar with that distinct smell. I have heard police officers in a lot of our documentaries that we watch say yeah. that that's a smell that you will never forget. And is it something that you come into contact with, on even on a semi-regular right. basis? I mean, enough to know and have it stick with you like that, yeah. for sure. So it makes sense that he'd be like, hmm, how and strange. George, George was in law enforcement for, for a decent amount of time, so I definitely feel like he would probably know. Right. Oh, no, for sure. So, you know, he pokes around the car for a bit, finds nothing suspicious, and he just kind of goes on, pays the fees, gets out of there, goes home. 
When he arrived at home, Cindy noticed the odor as well, asking her husband, quote, what died? Hmm. I don't like that at all. I can just picture it, too. Like, you know, her, him, like, driving up and she, her being like, oh, what died? You know, I like, know. I can definitely, no, like, like a, Just like that. a throwaway comment that will come back to, like, be yeah. a big deal. Absolutely. <laughs> so... To make things even better, this whole situation becomes even stranger when you learn that Cindy had zero idea where her daughter, and by default, her granddaughter, had truly been for 31 days before this moment. The last time Cindy laid eyes on either of them was a month prior, when Casey had moved out of her parents' home suddenly. There was a big argument that took place the day before the move. Allegedly, it was on Father's Day. Mm. And Casey was so mad that she just packed up their stuff, grabbed Kaylee, and rolled out. Casey told her parents that she had to travel for work-related purposes. I'm saying that with big, heavy air quotes. (laughs) Um, She denied any attempts her parents made to reconcile, as well as actively keeping Kaylee from them. Cindy would ask on several occasions if she could see her granddaughter, but Casey always had a semi-reasonable excuse as to why they couldn't manage that. The car getting impounded was a clear message to Cindy and George that Casey had been lying to them regarding her whereabouts. Casey had claimed that she and her daughter were living in Jacksonville and or Tampa, which those are not close to each other. She just like one week it was like, oh, no, I have to go to Tampa. No, I have to go to Jacksonville. Because Jacksonville's up near the panhandle part, like the handle part. Jacksonville and Tampa's south. Because Jacksonville's where my aunt and like Mm -hmm. my cousins live. And it's about two hours north of Orlando, if I remember correctly. And I feel like Tampa is south of Orlando. Yeah. Right? Like the opposite direction. Yeah. How how strange. Um, Casey had claimed that she and her daughter, yep, mm -hmm. obviously she was lying. Her claims were not a thing. Um, The Sunfire was actually impounded in Orlando. She proceeded to go through some of Casey's items, uh, Cindy, and found a phone number that belonged to one of her friends. Cindy somehow convinces this friend to take her to see Casey. I mean, I, Cindy is pretty much, like, frantic, I think, at this I point. I think desperate like, for any lead whatsoever. Yeah. And so they end up at Casey's new boyfriend's apartment. She had recently begun seeing a man named Tony Lazaro and seemed to be spending a lot of time in his place. And did you know every time I wrote the name Lazaro in my head, all I could hear was Nandor from that one episode? <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Lazaro. I love it. Oh, no. And the entire time I was writing this, every time, like, Lazaro, I was saying it in my head. Oh, my goodness. Also, I love that show. Oh, I my God. It's the it fucking best. <laughs> it's so good. If you guys haven't watched it, you have to go watch it and then come tell me about it yeah. so we can talk about it. What we do in the shadows is where it's freaking at. Comedy gold. So, Cindy goes on to confront Casey about lying to her and demands that she take her to go see Kaylee. Per Cindy's later testimony, quote, the two drove around and Casey continued to balk at taking her to Kaylee. Now, we have the ple- like the bonus of having hindsight. Right. Like, we know now the situation. Right. So, like, it's so chilling to read something like that and know that, like, why she was trying to dodge taking her mother to where Kaylee was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just so, it gives me chills. 
I just can't imagine being in the moment like this and not having any idea and just having to basically go on the word of a crazy person. And then your daughter, like, your daughter is, like, so, you know, flase da about where her daughter is at. It's it's insane to me. So at this moment is when Cindy calls 911 for the first time that day, purely out of frustration, and tells the dispatcher that she wanted Casey arrested for theft. At the end of this call, you can hear Casey asking her mom for one more day. Cindy responds with a refusal, citing that she hadn't seen Kaylee in a month. I couldn't find any transcripts for this call, so I would imagine nothing super notable happened. As we already know, the second call is when Cindy mentions that Kaylee may be missing. The third call doesn't come until later, after Cindy and Casey arrive back at home. While the family waits for the arrival of an officer, Lee, the brother, begins to question Casey, like, where the heck's your daughter at? What the fuck's like, going what's on? Happening? Like, why? What why is mom us? having you arrested? <laughs> and she goes on to admit that Kaylee had been gone for the last 31 days. 31 days. Cindy would later testify to this being the moment that she learned that Kaylee was missing. And she did not handle it well. Not what her testimony To detailed. be fair. I would I also not yeah. be handling it well. <laughs> well, and you know, like, as we go through things, you guys are going to learn that I don't think highly of Casey Anthony's parents either in this situation. Right. And as I've gotten older, I've learned the world isn't so black and white. So I definitely look at this case a little differently yeah. than I did, like, 13 years ago when it was happening. Or however many years. Math's not my strong suit once I have a drink in me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just... I, she was, like, it, I found it kind of interesting that she was so concerned that she, like, smacked the bed and, like, yelled at Casey in that moment. Like, of course you did. How you didn't smack the bitch is beyond me. <laughs> like, That's what I'm saying. So, at this point, a now distraught Cindy calls 911 for the third time that day. She is sobbing uncontrollably and is not very coherent. Um, we do have the entire transcript of the call, so you can hear exactly what was said. I, you just want me to stick with Cindy? You can be Cindy if you want. So, here's the thing. It goes from Cindy to Casey. Mm-hmm. When it goes to Casey, I'm going to be like, hey, it's Casey. You okay. know what I mean? <laughs> Not to be weird. So, we're starting with Cindy. I called a little bit ago to the deputy sheriffs, and I found out that my granddaughter has been taken. She's been missing for a month. Her mother had finally admitted that she'd been missing. What is the address you are calling from? We are talking about a three-year-old little girl. My daughter finally admitted that the babysitter stole her. I need to find her. Your daughter admitted that the baby is where? She said she took her a month ago, and my daughter has been looking for her. I told you my daughter has been missing for a month, and I just found her today, but I can't find my granddaughter. She just admitted to me that she's been trying to find her by herself. There is something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smelled like there's a dead, been a dead body in the damn car. Okay, what is the three-year-old's name? Kaylee. C-A-Y-L-E-E. Anthony. How long has she been missing for? I have not seen her since June 7th. Can you calm down for me for just a minute? I need to know what is going on. Is your daughter there? Can I speak with her? Do you mind if I speak with her? So here's where Casey gets on the phone. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hi. Can you tell me what's going on a little bit? My daughter has been missing for the last 31 days. And you know who has her? 
I know who has her. I tried to contact her and I actually received a phone call today from a number that is no longer in service. I did get to speak to my daughter for about a minute. Did you guys report a vehicle st uh, stolen? Yes, my mom did. Okay, so has there, there has been a vehicle stolen too? No, this is my vehicle. What vehicle was stolen? It's a 1998 Pontiac. We have deputies on the way to you for that, but now your three-year-old is missing, Kaylee Anthony? Yes. You lost her a month ago. 31 days ago. Who has her? Do you have a name? Her name is Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez. Who is that? The babysitter? She's been my nanny for about a year and a half or two years. Why are you calling now? Why didn't you call 31 days ago? I've been looking for her and I've gone through other resources to try and find her, which is stupid. And at this point in the call, you hear Casey say something along the lines of, I think the officers are here and it disconnects. Blur to blur and then yeah. they hang up. So before we get into what happens after that 911 call takes place, let's get into the Anthony family. Hmm. Yes, yes, let's. Talk about dark and twisty. Mm hmm. So, Cindy and George are originally from Ohio, more specifically the Niles and Warren area, which... Where's my family? That's where my family's from. That's where also my boss's 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 yep. boss's family is from. That area, man, is so... My mom swears <laughs> it's mafia. It is. I know. It literally she said is. Youngstown is... My sister had a job interview at a daycare in Youngstown. She lives right on the border of PA and Ohio, mm -hmm. so it's not that big of a deal. To drive over there and she didn't get the job but thank god because it was at a daycare and they found a body in the dumpster like two days later that tracks well mm. i told you that like my mom did some like ancestry shit and like it might like, could be gangsters. might could be related <laughs> or at least have somebody that was like in the family if you know what i mean i like not not the family <laughs> not the family, family but, but like the, the family, family. <laughs> all right so anyways um cindy's nickname growing up was princess and she was the golden child of her family. Mm, golden children, man. Mm. They're the fucking worst. It was said that her mother could be controlling and quite cold. It seemed as if the only thing that mattered to Shirley, the mother, was the image that her family presented. Not so much what the actual environment itself was like inside of the family. Uh, this is likely where Cindy learned how to be so willfully ignorant yet manipulative among many other less than desirable behaviors that she would, of course, as is so common, <laughs> pass on to her own children. Mm -hmm. Cindy met George at a hospital while working one day. She's a nurse by trade and the two hit it off. Unfortunately, George was married at the time. That sounds right. To a woman named Terry. Everybody in this whole situation, except for Kaylee, are just the, they're just the absolute worst kind of people. Like, you're just making <laughs> so many poor decisions on just, top of poor decisions. And it's like, not oh, just OMG. that, like, George met another woman while he was married and, like, fell for her. Like, I, you know, there's context to all sorts of things. I know. Life is but gray. This is not, this is not that. Now, while George and Terry did separate and eventually divorce, at the time that he met Cindy, the two were very much together. In fact, they were recently working on their marriage because at this time they were grieving from a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And that was ultimately the catalyst that caused George to file for divorce, mm -hmm. which he did so secretly. Rude. Like, actually, like he literally 
they were they were still together. He gave Terry no kind of like outward vibe that anything was wrong. They were actively trying to work on things, trying to figure out like the fertility so stuff. She was actively working on it. He was participating and in the background I'm sure he was packing his shit and calling lawyers. She didn't even know that he like went to go file until she like got a phone call from somebody about it. At least it wasn't and when they <laughs> showed up with the paperwork. Could like you, you've like, been served. <laughs> I just No. I'm <laughs> You want to talk about homicidal rage. <laughs> <laughs> now, apparently all George wanted out of life was to be a father. And it would appear as if he didn't think Terry could provide that for him anymore. So he left. Unfortunately, that's all too common. Icky. Uh, it's really it's really a shitty part of life, if you will. And uh, yeah. a little not-so-fun fact about George. I learned this. I watched this one uh, YouTube like podcasting to prepare for this, and they mentioned this on their show. It's called Crime Weekly. It was really interesting. They said that his dream job was to work as a character at Disney World. Yeah. Huh. Random, I know, but now that we know that fact, you must also know it. I know. It has to be in your brain now. <laughs> I can't be the only one. You're welcome. I do feel like it's also relevant because it kind of speaks to, like, his love of children. Oh, I mean, it does take a dedicated type of individual to, especially, not especially only, like, at Disney World. Not only work at Disney World, but to be a character because children are just clamoring over you the whole time. And I you mean, cannot... You can't just not, be like, no. Well, you can't not even be in your character right. for any moment when you're in that costume. Because we, okay, so we went to Disney World and Universal and all that stuff in 2021 because of the pandemic, it got pushed back. Mm, and it was, right. we were at Star Wars World and it literally was like, they're in character all of the time. <laughs> no matter what. That could, seems like fun, but I feel like that would get really old. I was tired because I wore a Darth Vader t-shirt the one day Mm -hmm. and the photographer was like, well, I need photos of just you. He's like the dark because I think he was part of the dark side Mm. or like because I was in in charge because I was Darth Vader. You know what I mean? Like it was just so extensive, the stuff they did. And we built lightsabers and the whole time they were like laser focused on not using like any words that were not outside of like what would have been said in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Even even the guides had to talk Very like method. that. I'm like, <laughs> I would forget. I yeah. guarantee it. In the hot Florida sun, I'd be like, not for me. We're done. That's a no for me, yep, dog. Hard pass. <laughs> All right. Anyways, done with our tangents. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Terry, of course, in case you're. I'm not shocked by this at all. She would go on to say less than complimentary things about her ex-husband. One of the more notable things was that he was nothing without a uniform on. If you'll remember, George was in law enforcement at this point in his life. Someone close to him would go on to say, quote, His interest in law enforcement was in wearing his uniform and driving around his cruiser. It was like a disguise. I think it hit a lot of his weaknesses, end quote. (laughs) Of which there were plenty. Uh, George was a man who didn't want to let people get too close to him, and he was not very sociable. He was also a compulsive liar and a gambler. That's a great combo. (laughs) That's, oh dear God, no. Of course, to add another, as we always say, another onion layer. Yeah, another awful onion. Here we go. (laughs) Cindy was quite a capable liar as well. 
She, for example, completely hid the fact that George was still married while introducing him to her friends and family as her new boo thing. Mm -hmm. She couldn't possibly let it be known that she was seeing a married man. What would people think of her? Um, And this just seems to be like the running theme for this family. They were very surface level people and truly only cared about how they were perceived by the outside world and not so much about like any of the stuff on the inside. Well, yeah, their number one like problem solver was just like deflect or ignore Ignore. or mostly ignore, I feel. In 1985, Cindy had declared to George that she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and that he needed to quit law enforcement and go work for his father, who at the time owned Anthony's auto sales. Plot twist, George was bad at selling cars. That's not that big of a plot twist. (laughs) He was in no way, shape, or form personable enough to be successful. It got to a point where his father had sent him to some sort of, like, self-help class, hoping that they would, like, socialize him in any kind of way. Like, too little, too late, bub. Like, where was all of this when he was a child? Because he probably didn't... I mean, I don't know. I mean... It's unlikely he grew into the antisocial adult, but it's possible, I I guess. I just... I don't know. Children are social by nature and trusting of everybody but like (laughs) the one uh one of the hosts on that crime weekly her name is stephanie if i remember correctly i think it's stephanie and derek i want to say we're sorry if it's not but i'm almost positive we're gonna link it so i'm like 99 percent sure um she mentioned something about how he related more to kids and he didn't want to relate to adults in any way because like he was a it was a lot harder to feel superior to adults and it was also a lot harder Uh, to manipulate adults mm -hmm. around you yeah and so that was kind of like her theory as to why oh that's he like yeah gross yeah what oh you ever think like i don't think i'm gonna like a person any less right and yet (laughs) just We're just, just you wait, girl. We're just at, like, the first layer of the onion, so just buckle up, guys. So these self-help classes, they don't help. Like, Shocking. in any kind of way. And tensions continue to build between father and son. One day, things just come to a head between the two men, and they get into a physical altercation. George's father had to be hospitalized after being put through a window. So, like... You see it in movies and stuff, and you're like, oh, like, that's oh fine. my god, it's fine. Easy peasy. That would hurt like a motherfucker. Because mm-hmm. not only is it a solid surface, you're then breaking through it into sharp shards of, yeah. like, razor blades. Your body yeah, is no. what's breaking. No, I'm good. No, 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 no. I do not want any part of that. No, thanks. Needless to say, George was no <laughs> longer a car salesman after this. This meant that financial strain was on the horizon for the Anthony's. Between George being unemployed and his gambling habit, they were going to be in trouble soon enough. And throughout all this time, Lee and Casey are born and the family goes through the motions of everyday life. And I feel like it's not something that's like super focused on. We do touch on it here and there a couple more times, but this financial strain is also an undercurrent in their family at all times. And they, again, just ignore it, it seems. Like, their behaviors are not behaviors of people who are near Don't have financial money. destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you that know vibe what I mean? also. I was like, oh, you're on the brink of bankruptcy, and yet here you are spending and gambling and living, not the high life, but, yeah. like, 
living a fancy enough life where I'm questioning you. And gambling addiction, it's just like any other addiction in my opinion. I definitely recognize it as something that is compulsive and difficult to handle, but like, again, it's not even being addressed, so how are you supposed to fix it? Right. Oh, for sure. So, I... I feel like this goes without saying, but Cindy was a tough mom. Mm, no the way. The kind of mom that you sort of had to hide shit from. Mm, I wonder what that's like. Mm, I love my mom, so I don't Your know. But <sighs> So, needless to say, you couldn't step out of line in the Anthony family without fear of some repercussion from Cindy. She's been described as someone who would love bomb the ever-loving shit out of you and make you feel super-duper special. But if you did just maybe one tiny little thing that she didn't like or go against her in any sort of way, she would instantly become cold and distant. And this is a manipulation tactic. Uh, It's just one example of the kind of environment that George and Cindy created for their children to grow up in. In 1987, things took an interesting turn when they thought that it would be a super great idea to take out a second mortgage on their home. Because what? Now... Why would they do something silly like this? Right. Why? Well, George decided that he was going to open his own dealership, despite the fact that he was not great at selling cars. (laughs) Like, I don't understand that fucking thought process at all. And he was super creative with the name as well and called it George Anthony's Auto Sales. <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. If that wasn't a big fuck you to his dad, oh, like, I don't sure. know what it was. It's not Anthony's. It's George Anthony's right. with the big middle finger emoji. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, needless to say, George did not improve at selling cars, so the business barely lasted for two years. Cindy would claim to be completely unaware of the family's financial situation. She said she just had no clue as to how broke they truly were. Which I, it is possible. Might could be, but not if you're a super controlling, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, have your hands in the pie kind of lady. Which that's, she strikes me as. Well, and that's just it. Like, she does not come across, like, she does not present herself as a woman who would be okay with not being aware of where the financials were at. I could see ignoring if there was an issue, but I guarantee she would want to know where the money pile was at, you know what I mean? And she definitely, she did know, she had to have known, because there's, like, emails and letters from, like, her mom being, like, writing to, like, Shirley writing to her own sister about Cindy and, like, the financial problems and this, after talking to Cindy, it, she definitely knew. There's no way. Because her mom always was like, Cindy's depressed, Cindy's sad, this, that, and the third. Like, George is gambling their whole life away. I feel like their motto should just be deny, deny, deny. It literally is. In fact, and that will continue to be a theme. Yes. This is kind of that willful, willful ignorance that we briefly mentioned, which we will definitely be getting We'll get into. back to. And another great example of their financially terrible decisions... Wanting a fresh start and desperately needing one at this point, honestly, the Anthony's moved to Orlando, Florida. It ain't cheap there. It is I'm not. I'm just letting you know. And, and <laughs> even... It has never been cheap there. Exactly. Because it's a destination type of place. Correct. Florida in general, I feel like, is not the Although most Although they don't have taxes there. That also does Like income taxes. Me. That's why all those snowbirds go down there. That doesn't they can't me. have none of my hard-earned cash, Brie. <laughs> 
as she as she creepily winks at me from across the room. I wait on a lot of snowbirds at yeah. my restaurant during the summer months. All three of them. We get the we get some of them like mm-hmm. that come in and hang out at the Bucks. Must be nice. So Orlando, Florida, is where Casey goes to high school. She was pretty popular. She you know large group of friends mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of curricular activities. Great grades. This surprised me at first. People described her as a very agreeable person and would do just about anything to avoid any kind of conflict. And like I said, at first, I was like, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But then it totally makes sense Mm -hmm. when I see that the way she handled conflict or confrontation. Like, because she would literally, like, physically run away. (laughs) <laughs> and like leave the the area, the room, whatever. If she could, and if she somehow got cornered, she would just gaslight the fuck out of whoever she was talking to. Like how di- how can you think this about me? I can't believe you would think I would do that. Would assume that I would be like that. Yeah, how dare you? I. Ugh. And this is kind of where we start to see that there's this like lack of taking accountability for anything and it just begins to really manifest in Casey like in high school. It was likely always there. But I think that when we are in high school, we're at that age where we're kind of like starting to straddle that like you're not really a child, but you're not really an adult, but you're right. kind of at this weird in-between stage where you're, you're figuring out who you are and I your personality is starting to form. For sure. And so this is not great <laughs> for like the moving same forward. Start. Correct. Uh, Her older brother, Lee, was also quite protective of her, which didn't really help the situation. He would come to her defense in, like, these kinds of moments. He would say to her friends, like, quote, you know what she's like. Why can't you just let it go? Like, it was just... Because she's being an asshole. Why would I just let it go? There's just no... Mm -hmm. No, just no consequences for her. And, like, it got to the point where friends would often choose not to confront Casey if they had issues with her. Because, you know, she lied all the time. Because of Lee's behavior, it just wasn't worth the hassle, which is really unfortunate when you have a friend, especially in high school. Like, you should be able to, at any age, really, you know, tell your friends whether they're being fucking stupid, but not if they have, like, a bulldog brother. No, absolutely. It makes it I'd be like, well, that doesn't seem worth the trouble, but I don't think, I don't know. I wouldn't be... High school's weird. It's easy to be, like, with hindsight, be like, well, I'd just be like, bye, bitch. And that's the thing to remember, too, while we're going through this, is that we do have the benefit of having hindsight Mm -hmm. in in the situation. And I did try to write this kind of in a way of, like, us not knowing what's happening moving forward. Because, well, and honestly, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know until we got into this. Yeah. I knew about the case itself, but it's all, I knew about part two more than this part, yeah. if that well, makes sense. And like I <laughs> mentioned, like, at, you know, as we've gotten older, you don't look at the world as, like, black and white anymore. Mm-hmm. And while, to me, the answer is very obvious and clear as to what happened, right, well who was responsible i think the why might be a little bit murkier than yeah. i thought you know x right. amount of years ago i don't know i think it's an interesting case study nonetheless because the thing is like with this whole thing with lee and her friends you know this is just setting a precedent for casey at a young age it's not a good one either. right mm-hmm. it just tells her that she can lie and manipulate her way out of any situation without any kind of consequences that no matter what she does things will always work out for her so there is the story 
mm-hmm. of her graduation. Are you familiar? No. Ooh, okay. Please tell me more. <laughs> oh, great. I have, wine, I was in, really, I have wine in hand. I purposely didn't, like, write this into the story because I just, if you, on the off chance you didn't know. Well, so. Brie and I like to do different parts of these so that, not that we're surprising each other, but there's always twists that's like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, like plot twist almost. Like, I know a lot about this case because I did the research, but yep. she did some extra digging that I'm unaware of, so. That's the nice thing is that, like, I get the research to then write the script, so then if, if I happen to find something, like, when I'm, if I'm searching for, like, clarification, sometimes I happen to go down some weird rabbit holes. You'll have so, that. the thing about graduation, Kaylee... Casey was a great student, right? Yes. Popular, perfect, whatever. Um, she just stopped going to school six months before her graduation. Oh. She just stopped going to classes, and but she told her parents that she was going to classes. She would leave the house every day as if she was going to school. She would come home every day as if she was just leaving school. And the parents were, like, none the wiser until one day they got a phone call, like, right before graduation, from the school being like, so you know your daughter's not graduating, right? <laughs> Stop it. And they're like, what do you mean? No. They're like, this bitch hasn't come to school. In like months. Like for a long time. Oh no. So she's not graduating. She's not walking. Now, the Anthonys had already planned and had put in motion a I'm graduation sure. party. A big huge shebang. For her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They continue on with the graduation party, and they tell everybody that she fucking graduated. Even though she didn't? Even though she didn't. And then they didn't make her do anything after the fact. Like this, They took money and presents. And the whole day, people are walking around, congratulations, Casey, we're so proud of you, blah, blah, blah. Like... You've got to be kidding That's me, right? That's like some Stepford Wives That's kind of bullshit. That's some fucking crazy like, shit. Appearances are everything. And this is where this is where that like willful ignorance comes into play because like why was that as a parent? Why was that acceptable? Why was that acceptable? Why and was that why your was, first thought? And then why was that rewarded? <laughs> so the person the. Stephanie, I'm I'm I guarantee you that's her name. She mentioned that she is a mother. And that she was like, okay, so if I was in that situation, what would I do? She made a really good point. Like, okay, we already have the plans in motion. We've already spent money on the party. We're going to have the party. But then you're going to get your diploma. Like, why didn't that happen? Because they don't actually care. So then, so like, think about, think about the context and like the meaning behind what this graduation party means. She just got away with a giant fucking lie. Keep in mind that she literally just spent six months going to, to and from school. So where unquote. was she going? Ew. Where was she going? What was she doing? Probably fucking around, being right? In a hole. Doing something. She oh, wasn't. Oh, it wasn't oh, being oh. at school. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. I not that I'm like shocked by that information, but, but that's I'm, some shit, isn't it? <laughs> like what? I'm like I don't even know how to process it because my mom would have been like, first of all. What the fuck? So, you know... Second of all, we're not having this party for you. And third of all, you're getting your GED right now. You know what's funny? I almost didn't get to walk at my graduation. Really? Yeah. Why? So, my grandmother passed away three months before I graduated. I lost her in March of 2007. We were slotted to graduate in June of 2007. For those of you who don't know me personally, my grandmother was everything to me. She's who raised me. I really had a hard time. I did not have... 
the best home environment. My grandmother was very much my safe space. Here I was three months before graduating high school. With no stability. I I just got accepted into like a couple colleges. Like it was not a great time (laughs) in my life. So I proceeded to skip a month of my English classes. (laughs) Like I just didn't go for like the entire month of May. I did not care for the class. The teacher was mean and I was depressed. I had a friend who didn't care about school as much. And so she was like, yeah, fuck it. So we just left early every day. Well, every other day, technically, because we had block. And one day I get called to the principal's office and she's like, what the fuck is happening? And I had already told the guidance counselor at this point because I was having, I had to see her regularly because of other things that was happening in my life with like Mm -hmm. my parents and things like that. And so like she knew about my grandmother passing away. My mom had like called her to tell her because I wasn't in school for like two weeks or something like that. And so it was like a whole thing. And so the principal calls me into the office and she's like, why is it that it's a month before graduation and this is the first time I'm seeing you? Like it was a whole thing. She had me scared shitless. She literally told me I wasn't going to walk at graduation, but then I got to. I wasn't a bad kid. I hadn't gotten into trouble at all before that point. And that's what saved my ass ultimately. But when I when I saw that about Casey, I was like, this, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I guess I could see skipping a class. Yeah. But just being like, hey, mom and dad, bye, with yeah. my backpack full of, like, drugs and booze or it whatever, was, or change of clothes. Like, I was, a, and teachers liked me, but this, this teacher was the only one in my entire school career that was like, I hope I never see you again. Oh, I would have been like, same Z. I was going to say, the, the feeling's mutual. Bye. She was so pissed that I didn't get into trouble because I was told I had to try to make up work if the teachers allowed me to and if they didn't it just was what it was I was already going to graduate I had the GPA I had all the things I needed one month of bad grades wasn't going to kill me and she was like no you don't get to do this she's like why are you in my class right now I'm like because there's 10 days left of school right she doesn't care (laughs) I'm depressed lady I'm fucking dying inside just leave it alone Uh, Casey didn't seem to have any of those things though like there was not an excuse I just thought it was like really interesting for sure (laughs) I just I'm trying to think was there like a trigger in her life maybe that we don't know about honestly I think that she is just a manipulative person who just does what she wants and doesn't care about consequences and then lies her ways out of it which we're gonna see more of as we go through the story (sighs) (laughs) she's the worst you guys it gets so much worse than this oh my god everybody i shouldn't even say she because like cindy and george and casey they all fucking suck all of them (laughs) so after high school casey decides to start working at universal studios working in one of their kodak stores specifically she was basically just tasked with walking around the park and taking pictures of the guests and then trying to sell them Now they just sell you the packages, and the photographers are just there. Mm. mm -hmm. That seems smarter. Yeah. (laughs) My sister just bought them. I was going to say, your sister bought them, didn't they? (laughs) She sure did. You know what, though? I, I too, I'm not calling your sister a sucker, but, like, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Like, souvenir shit. Like, give me all of it. It was a good deal, though, because, like, just for example, there's one mountain in, I think, Animal Kingdom that's, like, a Yeti roller coaster that's inside but like it was like the photographer was like look cold so we were all like (laughs) okay but when she got the pictures (laughs) and it was november but it was still like 80 degrees but when she got the pictures they had like added in snow and like greetings from universal studios like it's really like the production it's very cool now yes there's a lot more stuff that they do (laughs) um casey 
However, was very good at this job. Photography was always and still is a passion of hers. At this job specifically, she meets Jesse Grund, an mm-hmm. undercover security guard for the park. Aw, Jesse. He's it's, the only, like, good egg in this whole story. And there's a lot of bad <laughs> eggs. The two met. They fall in love. Fell into a relationship rather quickly. He falls head over heels for her. He said that she made him feel so loved and adored. Who does that sound like? Hmm. 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 <laughs> she, however, became a bit too clingy for his liking. They shared intense feelings for one another, but they were still so young, like 18 at yeah. this point. Jesse wasn't quite ready for all of that, so he broke things off with her. The two remained friends and stayed in contact with one another. She would even still go and spend time with his family, with whom she got along very nicely. And they actually really thought very highly of Casey. And that's like what we see with these kind of people, right? Oftentimes, people don't really have anything bad to say about you, even if they catch you in lies. Right. Because you're so focused on projecting like what you want the world to see. And apparently she learned from the greatest. <laughs> yeah, another thing that I had, um, saw about her that was I thought was really interesting is that when she was in high school, she, like, made it a point not to smoke or drink or, like, at least not get drunk. Yeah. And they had made it seem as if that was kind of just, like, a way for her to have the attention all on her because she was, like, the odd one out, kind of living, like, that like, straight edge. Like, I am, but without yeah. actually being straight edge. Like, she, she really didn't. The thing is, is I do think that she commits. <laughs> like I'll give, her, her, I'll give her that. Or to her, she, uh, her she commits, if you will. When she has to, like, do something for the lie, yeah. she's very committed to what she has to do for the lie. What a life to So live. I don't doubt for a second. Compulsive liars, man, they're the worst. I have a few of them in my life, and they're the fucking worst. I'm exhausted just reading this. It's like, exhausting I can't to be in their presence. Like, no, thank you. I would never have to worry about any of this because, like, I'm just, and, and you know this, like, I'm just at a point now where I'm just, like, negative energy, judo chop right out of my Bye. life. Like, I just don't have time to even entertain it. Unfortunately for people, they didn't realize that with Casey. Right. So, Jesse's family, they were hanging out at their house the one time Casey was over. Sometime in June, during one of these visits, Jesse's father pulls him aside and asks him if Jesse had anything to tell him. Jesse was like, what are you talking about, Dad? His father responds with, Casey's clearly pregnant. (laughs) Are you the father? Jesse goes on to tell his dad that he had already discussed this with Casey because naturally he too had questions. Oh, no shit. (laughs) But she assured him that she wasn't pregnant. Mm. She was just retaining water. (laughs) Keep in mind, Uh. you guys, that Kaylee was born about two months later. So Casey was hella pregnant. (laughs) Like, she wasn't retaining, could, she wasn't, could pull off retaining water pregnant. Like, because she was thin too. She is a very small statured woman yes. too. She's small and petite. So yes. like <laughs> once that baby belly pops, it's like you are not retaining water. You did not eat a big McDonald's dinner. You are fucking pregnant. <laughs> like something's going on you? here. And so, you know, Jesse's dad's not an idiot, but he's like, I mean, okay, I guess. Like cuz I mean, you're going to believe your kid. He he obviously had the foresight to ask her himself to be oh, like what sure. the fuck's going right. on. Casey would go on to attend her uncle's wedding with her parents not too long after this confrontation with Jesse's dad. Casey's uncle Rick, this is Cindy's brother, 
he took one look at Casey in her form-fitting wedding attire. Why the you fuck know, would you be wearing form-fitting attire? <laughs> you already know that she was like, mm, look at me. Look how pretty. I and know. he immediately goes and talks to her parents. And he's like, yo, do you have something to tell me about my niece? <laughs> like, and they just deny, deny, oh my God. deny. That should be the theme of this. It literally, when you said Put that, Put it I was on like, a t-shirt. Mm. Deny, deny, deny. They said that Casey told them... That she was still a virgin. <laughs> okay. And that there's okay. just no way that she was pregnant. If I remember correctly, I she said... Liar. Liar. Pants on fire. They, I guess, if I remember right, they confronted her about it because they too probably noticed that their daughter was fucking pregnant. Especially if she's walking around in form-fitting shit. She well, wasn't trying to hide put it. Put on a baggy hoodie. What's wrong with you people? Have you ever seen the movie Saved? No. Oh my god, we have to watch that movie. It's so fucking... Mandy Moore plays this, like, super religious person. Oh my gosh. She's, like, I the best... I have heard of it, and I love Mandy I own Moore, it. so I'm we like, are gonna, ah, yes. We're watching it. Anyways, the one person gets pregnant, and she hides it, because they're at a Catholic school. That makes sense. And That all checks out. She did the opposite of what... Casey here did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, completely. I think um, Casey said something like, you have to have sex in order to get pregnant. <laughs> right? Right? I'm literally shaking my head. I know you can't <laughs> see it, but, like, I, I, there are, mm, there are no words. Right. Shaking my damn head. <laughs> Rick gets so frustrated with the conversation, because, like, obvious, it's so obvious to everybody else, but... Those three, <laughs> like willful ignorance, I'm exactly. <clears throat> and he like all but demands that Casey go to a doctor, and so sh- she does. And you guys, shockingly, to no one, literally, except maybe, except for her, yeah, and maybe Cindy and George. She finds out that she's practically eight months pregnant. Woof. The thing that really like pregnancy scares the fuck out of me i want nothing to do with being pregnant like it's scary i don't want it i'm good i don't want the aftermath i don't want what what results from a pregnancy but i couldn't imagine being in that situation and having a month and a half to two months to figure your shit out so fun fact i went to school for education right i took a lot of child development classes i took a lot of early childhood stuff Mm -hmm. it is a marvel to me that any baby comes into the world unscathed Mm. birth is terrifying so many things can go wrong there are so many complications and for people like her yeah to just throw caution to the wind and just i mean yes nature has taken its course for centuries right until we've gotten to this point but literally with all the modern medicine we have you're just gonna be like eh, fuck it let's see let's just crap shoot the dice and see what happens there's no way that she didn't know i mean i guess there is there was that whole tv show like i didn't know i was pregnant but normally that's overweight people or people who eat like crap or have some sort of physical ailment that would prevent them from having a regular period or (laughs) It does, like, my... This, from all, from everything I have seen, is a very healthy 19, 18, 19-year-old girl. It was a a really good pregnancy, too. Again, like I said. (laughs) (laughs) There are people who try so hard to have a baby and cannot, and then this bitch. There's nothing that... It's just like, we, I'm not pregnant until she's eight months pregnant. But bam. nothing that infuriates me more than shitty parents. Yes. Just don't. 
There are ways to prevent this. You know that, right? There's literally so many ways. <laughs> so many. I don't. It's just <laughs> many, many, many ways. <laughs> But anyways, back to story time. Cindy and George are just elated when they hear the news that they're going to be grandparents. They did ask some questions, though, like the biggest one. Who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? Casey did not want to share this information. She kind of just sort of brushed her parents off. And I know this is shocking to you, but they didn't care to push the issue. Yeah. Why do you, why do you think they didn't care? Like, if you had to come up with, like, a reason. Because they knew their daughter was a hoe, and it could have been <laughs> one of multiple gross, weird men. Yeah. Is my thought. I think that... Because despite the fact that Jesse was a nice man, not all of her yeah. boyfriends were. Right. I think that it was more nefarious than that. I think that they didn't care who the dad was, because the dad they just would get the gr- in the way. Mm, they just wanted the grandchild. Because, I mean, think about who Cindy and George are. Like, Cindy is a controlling individual. George has gambling addiction. They already probably realized that they... At, at least beginning to realize how much they fucked up with Casey. Kaylee's kind of a second chance. Y- you see that a lot with narcissistic mm, parents, too. Accurate. Who really overstep when they're... Especially young single moms. Right. They get treated like garbage. Mm -hmm. So I think that I I think that it might have been nefarious because there's a lot of interviews out there that like her parents did after the trial and stuff and in one of them George was like recounting what it was like to find out that Casey was pregnant and it was just the like it was weird. It was weird. Like I'm glad I didn't watch it because I feel icky just hearing about it. mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't like it. Uh, so, at some point, Casey winds up telling Jesse that he's her baby's father. He almost immediately brings up adoption, citing that they were way too young and in no way prepared for this, given that they had, like, four days to get ready right. for the Liter- birth. Literally. <laughs> Allegedly, at first, Casey was into this idea, even had a friend of hers lined up to adopt the baby. Then, plot twist... Casey texts this friend out of the blue one day and told her that the adoption was off the table, that her mother simply would not ever allow that to happen. Which is really sad because apparently this friend was having, like, fertility issues and was actively trying to get pregnant. Again, if I could flip a table, and I like would right Casey now. made it seem like it wasn't like, I mean, we don't know. Obviously, we don't. know. She made it seem like her it wasn't her decision, which it very well might not have been. From what we we come to know of Cindy and her behavior with Kaylee after birth, like would everybody though have not been better off? <laughs> For right. real though. Um. So Jesse was probably not thrilled with this change of plans, but he did tell Casey that he would still be there for her and Kaylee. They did not get back together at this time, or at any time. I, I, I think, think no, they do. I think that um, that was smart of Jesse, though. Like, I feel like Jesse was really trying to make all the right decisions. Like, okay, well, if I'm going to bring this kid into the world, like, I'll be here. We we don't necessarily need to be together to co-parent. So, it's just Jesse's really like the only silver lining in this whole thing. Again, though, I feel like Casey's just painting a picture for him and he's choosing to see that instead of the actual reality of what's oh, in front of him. Oh, for sure. Um, so, although they're not together at the time, Jesse was at the hospital the day Kaylee was born. He did not receive a warm welcome from the Anthony family. He wasn't allowed in the room during the birth because both of Casey's parents had to be in there, which I 
would rather die. Guess where George was at during birth? I'm guessing looking at her vagina. Yep. That checks out from what I know. Yep, a doodle. Uh, yep, a doodle. <laughs> um, while, Kath, while Casey was in labor, Jesse was actually in the waiting room with his calculator adding some things up. <laughs> Kaylee was born full term on August 9th, 2005. That did not exactly match up with the time that he and Casey were together. <gasps> she I find was shocking. She was likely already pregnant by yeah. the time they even got together in the first place. That all checks out. But it didn't matter. Okay, so I was you hoping know, Jesse got away unscathed. The, spoiler alert: He does, but maybe not a, not not completely unscathed. Um. Did you know that Cindy was the first person to hold Kaylee? Oh no. Uh-huh. So apparently, um, they told, okay, so according to George, I'm trying to like remember how, like how to, <laughs> how to word this. So according to George, right after birth, you know, they were taking yeah. care of Casey and um, I'm pretty sure she had a C-section, if I remember, because he specifically said, like, stitched, getting stitched. Mm, and sometimes so, they have to stitch up because so things I, yeah, I don't really know for sure. I don't really care to know either. You, they can keep that to themselves. But he, like, went on to say something along the lines of, like, they cleaned up Kaylee. Casey was still, like, getting taken care of. And the doctor didn't think it was appropriate for Casey to hold her own child. So they, so Cindy was like, oh, I'll take her. And so he gave, and, and that's just not true. That's literally <laughs> a thing, though, that doctors are so big on because a lot of the initial bonding comes from the skin-on-skin contact right after a baby's right. born. Absolutely. And that should be with its mother or father. Allegedly, Casey made a comment, something like, oh, you get to hold my daughter before me or something like that. And that I could see that much, like, excuse you. <laughs> and I think that that is a very important note to remember while we go through. Because Casey is absolutely guilty of a lot of things and she does a lot of things wrong. But I don't think she ever had a fucking chance. Oh, no, for sure. And honestly, like, the way that... It's interesting, too, because, again, as an adult, I'm looking at this case with, like, different eyes. And, like, my mom and grandmother had a very contentious relationship because of the relationship I had with my grandmother. Now, it's it's not the same, but it's honestly a little bit of a similar kind of situation. My mom was and I did not get along. My mom was not, like, the best when it came to being nurturing and things like that. So I was very connected to my grandmother growing up. And there was a lot of tension between them. They would fight about it a lot. So, like, I... This kind of dynamic, the point that I'm getting at, is very toxic for everybody involved. Oh, absolutely. Like, and poor little Kaylee, literally from the moment she was in this world, was getting pulled between them. And it's just... Adds another layer, another fucking terrible, awful layer. Horrible onion layers. (laughs) So, you know, Jesse... Jesse figured out that... Kaylee wasn't likely his. It didn't matter, yet again. Jesse and Casey got back together. But I love her. He I think that he her. was trying to do right. And, I mean, that's never the right reason to enter into a relationship with somebody. It seems silly, but you can co-parent effectively, sometimes more so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not that way. But either way, Jesse was like, no, 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 like, we can make this work. He did, however, request a DNA test. I think he just wanted to know one way or the other. And it did prove that there was zero chance that he was her biological father. Again, 
didn't matter. He ended up proposing to her on New Year's oh. Eve of 2005. And she accepted. Mm-hmm. Now, during this time, Jesse this would go bitch. on to describe Casey as a good mother. He said that she was very attentive and patient with Kaylee. But somewhere along the line, something changed. Casey started to become more focused on her looks and her social calendar. And according to Jesse, she started becoming a completely different person altogether. Mm-hmm. I personally think the mask started slipping or it, the, the, the shininess of having a baby like war like war off oh yeah you know what i mean no absolutely for a 19 20 year old like look at this new toy oh my goodness look at what i've got and then everybody's like oh the baby well especially too lose focus when you consider that she has cindy and george in the background like picking up her slack if you will Ugh. um so now kaylee Kaylee. She was a sweetheart of a child. She was very smart and astute. In addition to having a big personality, she loved to make her family laugh, and she was able to count count to 40 in Spanish, which I don't even think I could do at this point, and I took five years of Spanish in high school. Nope. Definitely not. Kaylee spent a lot of time with her grandparents and had a Winnie the Pooh-themed room. Love that. She would just hang out and watch her favorite show, which was, of course, as is that era's thing, Dora the Explorer. (laughs) Um, When Casey's maternity leave was over, she, quote, unquote, went back to work. Heavy, heavy air quotes. (laughs) Because according to Universal Studios, she never actually went back to her position, nor did she ever contact them again about actually going back to work. So, they had to technically terminate her in 2006 because of all that. But, Hmm. this is where Casey was telling people that she was going every day when she would leave the house. Oh my god, it's just like high school all over again. Right. Girl, bye. Well, she was going to Universal Studios and also her second job, a position at Sports Authority. Since Casey was, which Sports Authority is like a dick's, like a sporting goods store. It's just a sporting Mm -hmm. goods store. Um, since Casey was pulling w- double duty all the time, you know, working two, working so hard, working nine to five, working five to nine. Working long. <laughs> she often had to get creative when it came to babysitters. This bitch managed to talk one of her friends into doing it for free. Like, she just completely, like, manipulated and, like, guilt-tripped this one girl. And that abruptly came to an end one day. Said friend called Sports Authority looking for Casey. Only for the people that answered the phone to have no idea who the fuck Casey was. Uh, They're like, who who is this bitch? We don't even know. And then it gets better. So (laughs) this friend was like, fuck you, Casey. I'm not watching your kid anymore. One night, at some point, George is like, you know what? I'm going to go surprise Casey at work. We're going to take her out to dinner for her lunch break. Oh, hell no. (laughs) Hell to the no. He shows up. That He's like, where's is. Casey? In the like, We're like, why, why is everybody asking about this Casey chick? <laughs> and oh so, my God. you know, George gets told that she doesn't work there. And so he goes home and he's like, so, you know, wife, I think that she's lying and this, that, and the third. And Cindy is like, well, we just need to, like, ignore it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like, it, this is literally everything that she does. Like, you can't possibly piss Casey off. Like, or we don't want to, like, rock the boat because what if she'll take Kaylee away? The worst part is, though, is she keeps 
behaving this way and then she keeps being rewarded for this behavior by like extra babysitters a place to live a car all the things like oprah you get a car you get an excuse you get a thing like like i just what it's just insane to me like how how do you how do you go as far as like that had to have been embarrassing to show up to where you think your daughter is working, like, and go and, and ask have them be, and be like, like no. no, dude, mm-hmm. like, we don't Never we heard don't. of her. Like, Never why? even heard of her, let alone, Who's, like, work with why her. Is people, can, you, can you tell me why people are calling here for her? <laughs> like, what's happening? And then to have your wife just be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, don't, don't say anything, though. Y'all are crazy. Y'all are crazy. It's just insane. So this brings us up to May of 2006, when Casey breaks off her engagement with Jesse. She does tell him that he can still be in Kaylee's life, but no longer as her father. Which, I mean, like, that's really fucked up. She is an asshole, so this all makes sense. That really just, like, enraged me so much when I read that in your notes. I was like, you've got to be fucking... Like, this dude has been a part of her life for a year now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and I don't know. I have a friend who's going through some stuff with his kid and his ex-wife. And I'm like, you can't just be bringing strangers in to meet a three-year-old or a two-year-old. Like, they remember stuff. Babies remember people. You act like they have no memory. Well, and especially, like, now, like, since the pandemic, I'm like, how are you bringing strangers around your kid? Like, you don't know what kind of germs they have. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? I just feel like the attachment factor at this, even at this point, is a lot. And it seems, for all intents and purposes, that Jesse is, like, a caring human. Yeah. Not a crazy robot person like everybody else in our story. Honestly, though, (laughs) like, good for him for getting out of this craziness. Right. Um, so, at the end of the day, it seemed as if all Casey wanted to do was party, go on dates, and basically live her life like she didn't have the responsibility of a child, with her parents providing a safety net, sort of, kind of, and still using both jobs as a cover, that's exactly the lifestyle she lived. She got really into social media and utilized Facebook as a tool to talk to many, 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 many men. men. Um, she would lead these guys on purposefully, making them think that she was all in with them, when in reality she was going out with any other dude in Orlando, basically. She even allegedly went as far as to fake a miscarriage. She told a guy she was talking to that she was pregnant with his kid. Then, while he was deployed, because of course he was, <laughs> he got a message saying that she miscarried. He didn't... Uh, Luckily for him, I guess, he didn't believe this story a bit, that she was even pregnant from the gate. So, thank God somebody's realizing. And again, you know, I don't really give a shit what people do. Oh, no, you're an adult. Whatever blows your hair back. But don't... But, like, the the fact that she's, like, actively... Was actively, like, manipulating all these dudes and, like, leading them on, like, that's when you... That's when you go into asshole territory. That's so much work, though, Also so much work. That's why she couldn't have a job. She was doing this. Because think, think about it, like, 2006, 2007, that's when Facebook just started, like, Ugh. really popping off. And MySpace. Ugh. I was like, so, Ugh. I was so against Facebook. It took me until after I graduated high school to even get one, and then it was still, like, years until I actually used it. Like, you realized yeah. it? <laughs> it was really, when Facebook was, like, not a thing anymore, I was like, well, I guess I have to. <laughs> I have no choice. So, in the spring of 2007... I was not having a particularly great time, but Casey, she she got promoted to a fancy new position at Universal Studios. OMG. She became their new event planner. Now, this bitch really knows how to lie and how to lie well. You and I, 
And you guys, we all know that she did not she did not get promoted because no. she didn't even have she a didn't job. Have a job to be promoted from or to like none of the things. But she, you know, I almost like have to give her credit for this. I just one. really want to be like, here's your Oscar for most dramatic liar ever created. She made several fake email accounts and she drafted and wrote several fake emails back and forth. She was creating chains and threads. T- discussing, you know, like work projects and events that she had to go, and she would always be like, "Oh, I, I gotta go take care of this like work thing, gotta go." Like, here's the email, mom and dad, and they're like proud of her because on the outside, how cringy, you know, like hey, if it looks good, it's gotta went, be good, right? She went to so like so far to make it believable like she could have just had a job that's this is like (laughs) six jobs i'm tired just thinking about all of that faking you and i love doing this podcast like we and we want to make it grow so much but like social media is the hardest thing to like do i couldn't imagine going through and having to like fake all this shit why don't know how you'd keep all your lies straight in this That's instance. another thing, too. Like, how do you keep it We're just organized? posting content that we're actually oh working God. on. I can barely remember. <laughs> I literally left Trust, the room to get a pillow, decided to go pee, forgot the pillow. Yep. I can't even remember what I'm doing. I heard a, oh, fuck, and then she <laughs> I turned around it. and I was like, oh, no. Forgot to get what I was getting. <laughs> all right, so while Casey is in this quote-unquote new position... She also gets a new boyfriend named Jeffrey (laughs) Hopkins. She would tell her parents all about what a great guy he was, how he really had his shit together, and he had a son around Kaylee's age, so, like, bonus children. Um, He even introduced Casey to his nanny, Zenaida, who would go on to begin watching Kaylee. Cindy and George loved the idea of this guy, really wanted to meet him, and they did actually make several attempts to do so. But Jeff would always have to weirdly cancel on them. I don't know if this will be a shock to you guys, but this was because Jeff didn't exist. (laughs) I mean, technically he is a real person, but he was never actually with Casey in any way. Um, She eventually had to come clean to her parents because I'm guessing she got caught one too many 50-11 They would make plans to, like, have dinner at, like, the Anthony home. And there was one time they talked about it specifically in the Crime Weekly video they said that they like had all these plans for dinner and cindy like made a whole pie it was like a whole thing and casey was so excited and like an hour before dinner was supposed to start he got called into work Mm -hmm. they reschedule then he was sick and this happened like several different times (laughs) until finally like kaylee or casey was like okay like so you got me guys finger gun yeah bam, like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> i lied about everything it was all a lie like actually i don't my mom i love you mom but she'd be like what the fuck is your problem <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like i'm going to smack your face off of your face we're at least going to have some very strong words we're not just going to be like it's cool i guess right. whatever and that's the thing again we are seeing her lie catastrophically about something that really didn't even... And here's the thing. You you guys, we all know why she did this, right? Like, right. we all can pick up on the reasons why she had to make up a boyfriend that introduced her to a nanny. Yeah. She's set in the scene, right? Like, come on. That's, that's, gotta, that's what it's got to be, right? She, she has to be. So, like, 
she did all of this with a purpose, so she doesn't even give a fuck that she got caught lying because now she's like, I'll just make up another one. The nanny isn't, but go- at least the nanny's going to be the only real part of the lie, quote unquote. Zanny, the nanny's already in the picture, right? So now we can just roll with that instead. Correct. Forget about Jeff. That's my theory, at least. Like I don't like. I just. I think just, a lot of times our theories are mildly on point. I have definitely there. learned to trust my intuition when it comes to this kind of shit. Oh, yeah, I deal. I have dealt with a lot of shitty people and shitty things over the course of my 33 years in this world. And I feel like it's definitely given me a honed kind of like bullshit dar, if you will. Always trust your gut, they say, right? <laughs> oh, 100%. You should always, for the record, always, always, if you think that you're in a bad situation, you probably are. We're going to put that, there, girl. We're going to put that on our list of commandments. Trust your gut. Don't drink with strangers. Yeah, right. <laughs> we got a whole list going. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> so, over the next year, Casey began seeing two men, probably more, but these are the two that are kind of notable. The big ones that we know their names. <laughs> she started with a guy named Ricardo, but she cheated on him with none other than party promoter Tony Lazaro. Ricardo, <laughs> Ricardo was devastated and he broke up with her. Like, he was absolutely... Like, heartbroken. Heartbroken. And, like, she made it seem to friends that, like, they weren't actually together. She Mm. made it seem like she's been waiting around for him to, like, get his feelings together. And he just happened to decide he wanted her when Tony was in the picture. But that, like, was not the case. Like, they were actually in a relationship. This bitch. She still managed to keep a hold on him, even though she was actively ditching him and other friends of theirs to, like, spend time with Tony. Casey would take Kaylee with her to see Tony. His complex had a pool, and they would spend the days together. Here's the thing about Tony, though. He didn't want to have kids. But it gets worse. And if he did, he only wanted to have boys, because they're allegedly easier. (sighs) So, you know, take a moment to let this information sink in. So you're actively pursuing a dude who does not want any kids. So then take a moment... And think about what Casey's mind had to have been going mm. through in that moment. Well, especially we don't want girls. Hmm. Weird. So not like you, you as a single mom of a daughter just got told by your new boyfriend that he doesn't want anything to do with your kid. That's suspicious. Party promoter has icky written all over it. In and I mean, and, and I get it, especially in like Orlando, that's a very oh, lucrative job. Absolutely. And like for people who have that kind of life and they want to live that lifestyle like by, like I literally said to you today like the day I get to quit my job and do this full time I can't wait to stay up all night I'm so sick of getting up at four o'clock in the morning it's unbelievable <laughs> that's an active choice though and good on him he made his feelings clear yeah. and yet he's still dabbling in Casey's pool even though she's got a child and it's a girl so that right. what what are y'all doing? Well, and it really makes you wonder, like, what she's telling him, mm-hmm. you know, after I'm this sure, conversation I'm takes sure. place, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, concurrently, while all this hot mess express is occurring, <laughs> Cindy and George go to see a financial advisor. Remember, finances, not so great. Um, the financial advisor actually told them that Casey had stolen $40,000 from them. <laughs> Over the course of two years. <gasps> That's a significant amount of money. That's literally people's light, like yearly salaries. <clears throat> now, we couldn't find any clarification on whether the advisor meant that she actually stole it, stole it, stole it. Or in the sense that George and Cindy were funding her lifestyle and taking care of Kaylee's needs on top of that. 
Or, you know, actually taking it. Yeah. Uh, either way. Uh, either way, not great. Not cool, dude. Casey had a pattern of doing this. She wasn't on speaking terms with her grandmother because Casey kept stealing money from her, which I will fight your face if you take things from an old person. <laughs> the grandmother was like, I don't know why she would steal. Like, she stole a check and, like, went and bought, like, She's Kaylee's like, I, birthday decoration. I'm sure she would have given it to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, she stole, I think, her credit card, like, after the fact. And that's what did it. And I think, if I remember correctly, she said to her on the phone, I love you, but I don't like you, and I don't want you in my home. That uh, My mom is an angel who takes care of old people. Mm-hmm. She has for as long as I've been alive. Yeah. Bless her heart. She has a soft spot for them. And she would never do anything like this. I just can't wrap my head around it. Like like I've mentioned already. A stranger, let alone somebody in my family. My grandmother was the most important person to me. Like, I couldn't imagine doing anything. Like, I feel bad that we fought frequently before she, like, passed away. Like, I still struggle with that. I couldn't imagine, like, if I was stealing from her and shit. Like, God. The thought would never cross my mind, But though, that's just be it. like, here's I'm a not, check for me. I'm not a terrible <laughs> one piece. One for me and one more for me. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> one for the dress. One for me. Right? <laughs> I, I just... I don't... We don't understand because we're not terrible pieces of shit. So right. I guess it's a good thing that we can't get in that mind space. So at the end of the day, this financial advisor said, Cindy, George, look... Bro. The time has come. You need to cut Casey off. Now, during this visit, allegedly, it's the first time that Cindy actually inquired about whether or not she could gain custody of Kaylee. Which, ding, ding, ding. You want the baby. Bitch, that's been your motivation this whole time. So, obviously, you think your daughter's defective, so you want your granddaughter to replace her. You're also sick in the freaking head mm, so gross um the advisor did go on to tell them that they did have a good case for it at least financially since they could prove that they paid they had paid yeah honestly for they everything up for until your this ba- point you're buying yeah. diapers you're buying formula you're buying this you, she's in your care you provide the time. Mm-hmm. a home for casey right. and kaylee <laughs> this is probably my favorite follow-up to this the previous part because right after this Cindy goes to see a therapist for advice on how to handle her life, basically. She's like, oh, woe is me. I just don't know what to do. I can't go on. Uh, My daughter stole $40,000. So, the therapist also told her it was time to kick Casey and Kaylee out, but Cindy was simply not having it. She was like, no. Because of Kaylee. Mm -hmm. Then the advice switched to, well, maybe just kick Casey out. And keep Kaylee. I feel like she... I can't remember correctly, so don't, like, quote me on this 100%, guys. But I think she saw multiple therapists until she got the answer she wanted. That, from what I know of her, that tracks. People like Cindy don't like therapy because you're not going to get the answer you want. The point of therapy is to challenge those bad brain waves, those bad thought patterns, and all that kind of stuff. It's not to... Get what you want. Placate you. Yeah. You're not supposed to get the answers you want out of therapy. No. Not unless you're, like, at a point where you've, like, made some growth. All All this did was fuel the arguments between Casey and her mother, which were furious and many. They would fight so loudly that the neighbors could hear them tell each other to fuck off all the time. And according to Rick... 
Cindy threatened Casey with a custody battle at least three separate times. Which, fuck you for that. Like, I just... That that just crosses such a line to me. And, like, again, we're not privileged to everything that was happening in the Anthony house. But, like, at this point, Kaylee was being well taken care of by, by, by many people. There was a village raising that child. I just... Bad parents make bad parents. Yep. Like, that... It's just... It's generational. We've seen it countless times now. Um, Rick also said that, uh, quote... Cindy would have took that kid in a minute, Mm. which is kind of like, makes me feel yucky. Things got even more tense when George and Cindy started refusing to babysit for Casey per Amy, a friend of hers, which Amy and her allegedly were going to move in together into the Anthony household because allegedly George and Cindy were going to move out and sign the house over to Casey. This chick changed her mailing address to the Anthony home because her and Casey planned to live together. Because she believed it. Cindy was just like, who's this Amy person getting mail here? (laughs) Like, whatever. But according to this friend, um, Casey would start to complain a lot about how she'd have to cancel plans all the time since her parents were not as available to her. dare you? Probably because they're like, bitch, we know you're not going to Sports Authority. Or anywhere. What are you doing? For a job. I know people. If you're an event planner, why do you have a job at Sports Authority? Right. So this brings us up to June of 2008 when Casey packed up her shit and rode off into the sunset with Kaylee. Remember how she told her parents she had work stuff to do? (laughs) Right. We know now that this was nothing more than just a big-ass bunch of malarkey. Casey was in Orlando this whole time. It was also the same time period when Kaylee would go missing. Casey doesn't file any reports, doesn't contact police. She literally does absolutely nothing. Except party her freaking ass off, of mm-hmm. course. There's so much photographic evidence dealing detailing what Casey was up to during the month that Kaylee was missing. It's caca. Yeah. Because, again, like we mentioned, she was very active on social media because, like, she was out of everything. She was out of the bar. If you didn't know, like we didn't at the time this unfolded, that her daughter was missing, you'd think that she was just having a great night out. Looked like she was having a lot of fun. Right. I say with contempt. All the while, Cindy had no idea that Kaylee was even gone until July 15th, 2008, which brings us back around to those 911 calls. On June 16th, Casey talks to investigators as a witness and by the end of her time with them gives a signed statement. Mm. Her story was that Kaylee had been kidnapped by the nanny, Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez. Casey claimed that she had known the nanny for about four years and that they met through their mutual friend, Jeffrey Hopkins. Line number one, Jeffrey was allegedly her boyfriend at... Now it's a mutual friend. Right. Mm, Weird. She has been Kaylee's nanny for about two years at this point, like a year and a half, two Mm -hmm. years, she was saying. So according to Casey, she dropped Kaylee off with Sineta on June 9th and goes to work and then makes her way back to the apartment that she dropped Kaylee off at. She knocked. No one answered. Calls the cell number. It's out of service. Casey wasn't sure what to do, apparently, and uh, didn't want to go home and she, she literally said she didn't want to go home because she wouldn't know how to explain that Kaylee was gone. Mm-hmm. So she decided to head to Tony Lazaro's place instead. 
She went on to tell Detective Mellick, he was the one interviewing her initially, about her position at Universal Studios and all about this co-worker of hers, Juliette Lewis. It's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Juliet does not exist. Juliet Lewis is an actress. A fantastic She's one very at that. Famous. I mm-hmm. fucking love that bitch. <laughs> she does not, to my knowledge, work at Universal Studios, no, however. This Juliet Lewis did not exist. Mm-hmm. Like literally none of what she's telling the officer is true. And this is honestly just the beginning of all of this gross, like just pile of lies. Casey doesn't even realize. I mean, maybe she does. I don't really know. That thanks to the circumstances of everything, she was suspect number one immediately. Like, Detective Mellick was talking to her under the guise of a witness, but like... She was not a witness. She was a suspect. She was, yeah, immediately. Absolutely. From the gate. So, uh, the detective asked Casey why she didn't call the police right away. She responded with, quote, I think part of me was naive enough to think that I could handle this myself, which obviously... I couldn't, end quote. <laughs> she goes on to say that she was scared that something would happen to Kaylee if she were to go to the police or the media. <clears throat> she said, quote, the fear of the unknown, fear of the potential of Kaylee getting hurt, of not seeing my daughter again, end quote, drove her decision making, which is to do nothing. The way that she said it, too, another video that I oh watched gosh. was... Um, a JCS psychology video. We watched one okay. of those previously for Arius, I believe. And um, the way that she said it was just like, because he was like, why didn't you call the police? Like, what was your thought process? And she's just like, oh, fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the potential. Like, it literally was like so dramatic. Like an actress. My God. Um, so the detective asked Kaylee at the end of the interview, or Casey, excuse me, I'm sorry. At the end of the interview, if there was anything untrue in what she had just told him, she said no. He doubles down and asks her directly if she hurt Kaylee. She again said no. The interview continues with Casey just rattling off an absurd number of unnecessary details about any little thing. This is something that pathological liars do. Yep. Um, and if there's one thing we know about Casey, it's that she's a big, fat liar. That's the thing, right? Because, like, they want to make sure that you believe their lie. Yep. So they'll, they'll do anything to sell it. They're just going to continue on. Like, it. I highly recommend, if you guys haven't seen it already or listened to, like, the interview, go check out this video. We'll make sure, you know, you have the access to it. It's so crazy because she's, like... Jeffrey Hopkins' mother is this, and he has a sister that lives there, and this and that, and the third, and then Julia Lewis works in the same department as me, and she did this on this day, and her mother does this, and she eats fish on Fridays. Like, it was just, like, the most... Like the, the most inane things that she think is she thinks it's going to bolster her story, but all it does is have them question why we need to know that the mother eats fish on Fridays, or, right. you know... any of those details especially because this is also something that like really anxious people do like people who like maybe feel bad about something so they're like no like this that and the third like or like i can't go to work if you get called in and then you have to like tell them every little thing that you're doing that day because you feel bad but like this is not it's like in that same category but this is just so much bigger because we have this is the reason why we're like digging into all this stuff we already got into and we took so long to talk about the lead up because this is the context and the nuance that we need going into the investigation and mm-hmm. then the trial. Absolutely. 
It is all necessary. Believe us. Bear with us. Well, and because, you know... I think this kind of psychology stuff is very interesting also. Right. I mean, and anybody who's listened to us for a while knows that, like, that's what the psychopathy behind people's decision-making and the trials and, like, the justice legal part of it is what is most interesting to us. The murder isn't, is un, like, not... It's the saddest part and the hardest part to talk about. In, Absolutely. In, in any of these cases. But I'm just so morbidly fascinated. I'm fascinated by people like Casey. Because why? Why? What is it that goes on in your brain? Like, what neurons are What's firing? What's misfiring? <laughs> I wouldn't say even firing. Yeah. Them bitches are like, pew, pew, like misfiring like a motherfucker up there. You make a very there. good Woo. point. <laughs> the detectives go on to ask Casey to take them to all of the notable places in the story that she just told them. <laughs> the tapestry that she's woven. This is the best, guys. She... <laughs> Agrees. This is what this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like she commits, she agreed, and she led them to a bunch of fake addresses, and then they end up at Universal Studios and they head to her office. <laughs> it took Casey and the three senior officers that were with her just under half an hour to walk all the way back to this building. That's when Casey turns around and just sheepishly, not even, she was like smug about it. She laughed. They said she laughed. She admitted to the men that she was just making it all up, that she was fired some time ago. And these dudes, there is, in this JCS video, audio of the conversation that took place in a room right after this, and those dudes were pissed. I would be a bitch, you just wasted my whole fucking day. Well, and also, too, like, Mm. you are number one suspect, and you're like, ha, 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 no, I was Your fired. daughter <laughs> is missing and has been for over a month. And you didn't report it. And you were out doing all this nefarious shit. And now you're wasting all and of our time. And now you're lying. Mm-hmm. This led to Casey's first arrest, which took place on July 16th, 2008. She got charged with giving false statements to law enforcement, child neglect, and obstruction of a criminal investigation. As she wrote, check, check, and fucking check. Um, so the judge initially denies bail, stating that Casey had shown a quote woeful regard for the welfare of her child. End quote. And that's the saying it mildly. That's uh, well, you've got to say it in judgy terms. You can't be like this bitch is a bad person. The fuck mother is you doing? <laughs> so this kicks the investigation into high gear. On July 17th, uh, the Pontiac Sunfire in question is searched by law enforcement. They bring in cadaver dogs. And on the first pass, the dog, quote, started indicating in the rear of the vehicle, end quote. You know, like the trunkish area. Um, As the dog completed the first round, the handler requested that the trunk be opened. When the dog made his way back, he signaled that he had detected the scent of human remains. Yeah, the dog, like, put his paws up on the back and then laid down right in front, which Mm -hmm. they explained was the sign that, like, that was the signal that the dog was, like, letting them know. Yep. So, that's an interesting Hmm. piece of information. It's almost like we knew that was going to be a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Almost like it smelled like a dead body. Weird. (laughs) On July 22nd, the judge sets a bail of 500000 and Casey is officially named as a person of interest in this case. The judge was disturbed by the evidence being introduced so far and went for a higher bail amount. Thank fuck. Casey's bail gets posted anyways, just under a month later. Boom. Her freedom does not last very long at all. Because on August 30th, the day after my birthday, 
her bond gets rescinded because she was arrested for allegedly stealing and cashing checks from a friend, which is like her MO at this mm-hmm. fucking point. Again though, like you're in all you're in so much trouble, but your confidence level you is so high that you're like, we're just gonna do it. Let us go. Let you us are steal more checks. Out on a five hundred thousand dollar bond. And the only reason you got bonded in the first place is because they want to find your daughter. Yes. Everybody but you wants to find your fucking kid. Yeah, I think it was the initial one, the guy that bonded her yes. out was like, I'm only doing this so we can find Kaylee and get some answers. Yes. He's like, I don't actually care about her at all. Right. And he literally was like, Well, <laughs> Fuck me, I guess. Just on me, I guess. (laughs) Um, So on the 5th of September, Casey's bailed out yet again. However, as is going to be a pattern, she ends back up up in the clink by the end of the month. She's indicted by a grand jury for a charge of first degree murder on October 14th, 2008. You can also add in some charges of aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter, and four counts of providing false information to law enforcement to that growing list of dumb shit that Casey did. <laughs> she does not receive bond on these charges, thank God. Nor should she have. <laughs> she like, should not the all. first six times, but who am I to quibble? It's so crazy because... I highly urge you guys, there's docu- There's shit ton of documentaries, there's so much stuff out there on this case. I highly urge you to go check it out, because it's a completely different, it's one thing to hear, you know, podcasters talk about it. Absolutely, one it's of one my, thing to see it from their own mouths. The first episode of Killer Queens I ever listened to was their Casey Anthony episode, which made me fall in love with them, because they also hate this bitch. Like, fucking hate her. And I just fell in love with those two girls, which if you love this genre and you like us you'll definitely love them so like check that out but like i just i don't even i get so frustrated (laughs) when it comes to this but i think that it's worth going and seeing like the videos yourself because there's video footage of some of the interviews there's this one video footage of her in jail getting to like talk to her parents like via like a cam kind of setup yep and her dad is wearing this shirt that has Kaylee's picture on the back and it's like have you seen me and they're having this big long conversation and it's like it's like this ebb and flow of Casey getting emotional but not when like she sees the picture of her daughter on her father's shirt well because she doesn't care about it's when (laughs) she's talking about how she's struggling in jail it's she gets told by Cindy that there was going to be a piece done in People Magazine about Kaylee. 40 million people subscribed to People Magazine. And she was like, oh, okay. That's cool, I guess. Like, it, you you got to watch. You just have to watch, like, her face. This is another one like Jodi Arias. Yeah. Like, well, I'm not guilty. Yeah, on- honestly. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Why would I do it? You know what I mean? Like, it's just the... And her parents tried. In that specific conversation, her parents really did try to, like, you know, do you have any information? Is there something you're not telling us? Like, please, for the love of God, Casey, just tell us what's going on. Like... And I'm, and, and I'm sure it's it's not been documented, but I'm sure they tried before that also. Oh, yeah. You know. I think this was, like, one of the first conversations they got to have where they were technically face-to-face, even though they... We're in different rooms. They got to, like, see each other, like, through video. But it's just insane. Like, one of those things that, like, when her dad 
gets like the phone because they still have to use like the phone to talk yep. to each other she he's like oh he's like hey beautiful like how are you doing and she starts crying like i look like shit like that's what you're fucking worried about right now uh where is my daughter is what where, you should be worried where about. is your kid <laughs> anywho 10 days later after the indictment reports regarding the vehicle search are released there was an extensive examination done and the findings included you guys a strand of hair that was found in the trunk now this strand was microscopically like ones found in kaylee's hairbrush the strand of hair also showed some characteristics of apparent decomposition. And I actually found this really interesting. I didn't know this. I didn't know this was a thing either. There's this thing called root banding. And what happens is, is the hair forms a dark band around the root after you die. Because essentially, like, your hair is not growing anymore. It's donezo. And that can be interpreted as a sign of whether or not, like, a, the strand of hair came from a dead body or an alive body. Mm-hmm. These reports also state that an air sample was taken from the trunk of the car, and this sample was shown to contain chemical compounds consistent with human decomposition. Which George and the lot attendant initially noticed. Right. So there's also that. I also would be really curious to know, though, like, how does one take an air sample? Like, like, I just picture, like, comically in my head, like, a tech being like, Trying to like get into like in, a test in tube. my head, I, I had like a bag, like a butterfly <laughs> net, but like a Ziploc bag. Yeah. I don't quite know how it works, but I'd apparently there is a lot of like wiffle waffling on which the compounds validity. need to be present mm. to make it actual human de- decomposition. There was a bag of trash that was also in the trunk, which maybe so it could, could have just been decomposition. They I don't, see. Okay. Okay. But we'll get in, we'll get into that yeah, at a later yeah. point. Um, so needless to say, in case you haven't guessed this already, Casey pleads not guilty to all of her charges on October 28th during her initial arraignment. As we all know, investigations and trials take time. We don't actually see any movement until August of 2008. A meter reader by the name of Roy Kronk calls police on the 11th, wanting to report a suspicious object he found in a wooded area that just so happened to be located near the Anthony's home. The sheriff's office directs Kronk to call the tip line, which he does, but he never gets a call back. Over the next couple of days, he tried again and finally gets to meet with a couple of officers. Officers. Opposite officers. The officers. (laughs) He was alleging that he'd seen what appeared to be a skull near a gray bag. One of the responding officers walked around, did a cursory search, didn't see anything of note. Did he even look, though? So they said it was no. They said it was a wooded area, and if you've ever been in a wooded area in Florida, a lot of things are knotted on the ground. Yeah, that's fair. I I, I guess that's. You know what? Though I don't think I don't think that's fair actually, because there's literally a toddler missing. Like, why would you not? fucking figure it out and everybody in that area was so like hyped up about it yes. they were doing daily searches and the entire and like nation was hyped up about this and this like, was literally blocks away from the anthony's home the fuck though yeah it wasn't until december 11th wherein Kronk calls the police yet again so this makes what three times this is number three, three. something actually gets done this time 
A proper search of the area is conducted, and they find skeletal remains in a garbage bag. Now, over the course of the next four days, more bones are found in the closely surrounding area. The team working with the remains themselves also find some duct tape hanging from hair that was attached to the skull. They rule the death of these remains as a homicide, a homicide with an undetermined cause of death. And this is where things really, you don't think it can get worse than it does. Um, eight days later, after the initial findings, it is officially announced that the remains have been identified as Kaylee Anthony. In April of 2009, prosecutors announced their plan to seek the death penalty in their case, uh, reversing a decision made previously to finding Kaylee, because initially they were proceeding without any sort of remains. Right. Cases you can't, like those are sort of hard to prove. You can't really <clears throat> prove murder. I mean, I'm sure it's been done if we, like, Google, like, search been. for case mm -hmm. law, but it's very difficult. Let me rephrase. It's very difficult yes. to <clears throat> prove a murder took place without any kind of body or anything like that. So now we have, unfortunately, all the pieces to this puzzle. So on May 9th, 2011, jury selection finally begins. Opening statements are slotted for the 24th of May. <clears throat> And that's where we're going to leave it for part one. Cliffhanger. Next week, we're going to dive right on into the trial proceedings. We're going to go over who the prosecuting and defensive attorneys are, some of the more notable pieces of evidence, and of course, the witness testimonies. It's going to be a lot. Uh, not that we're enjoying this case at all. We do make light of things once in a while, but at the end of the day, a toddler is dead. <laughs> for what it's worth, guys... I have learned to cope with my own trauma by forming a dark sense of humor. It's just how I handle things. I have always said laugh or cry. Yeah. I don't know. I would prefer to laugh. but I spent enough of my time crying, so it's now true. it's all about laughing, even at this things This case I really does piss me off, and I guarantee you felt... I hope you heard our fire in part one, but oh, just, part two, it's going to get worse. Part so. one makes me angry because, of course, you know, we learn... We learn about what happened to Kaylee, and it's really devastating. And like I mentioned, and was a little vulnerable with you guys this time around, you know, I I despise neglectful parents and abusive parents and narcissistic parents and manipulative parents and all of the things that Casey and Cindy and George were. And it makes me fucking angry because there are so many times before we got to this point that Casey could have made different decisions mm -hmm. and she chose not to. And the trial is where everything is. F the trial is where all the anger is mm -hmm. stemming from. We're going to save that for next week. <laughs> deep breaths. Deep ah, breaths. Focus. Gather. In the meantime, though, I mean, if you guys, you know, hit us up on Facebook, it might be easier to have, like, discussions on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are interested, like, definitely hit us up. We'd love to have conversations with you. Oh, yeah. We both have personal Facebooks also. So if you guys want to get started on something like that, like, by all means, let's talk. Let's talk about let's, this bitch. Let's like, do let's it. do it. In the meantime, you know, we just want to say... Thanks so much. For oh, as always, thank you. So much. Like, for giving us a part of your day and just hanging out while we talk some shit. <laughs> like, we appreciate your support and it just means the world to us. Make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram and Facebook so you don't miss out on any of our shenanigans. That's at Crimes and Spirits Pod. On Twitter, we are at Crime Spirits Pod. 
If you would like to follow us personally, you can find me on Instagram and look at all my cat pictures. It's at Brie, B-R-E-E underscore not the cheese. And I am at Suze, not Susan. <laughs> I also like cats, but I also travel and eat a lot of weird food. So. And with the holidays approaching, I am going to start crafting yet again because I have lots of presents that I need to make. Woo-hoo. Queenish design will be coming back into action soon, so you'll also get to see some of the fun stuff that... I create in my downtime, which what even is that anymore? Right. Does that exist? (laughs) Right. And last but certainly not least, if you find that you were enjoying listening to us complain about Casey Anthony, among the other things that we complain about, please let us know by leaving a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever option your preferred streaming platform gives you. Any kind of review... We want, we want the feedback. Yep. We'd love to know what you're thinking, how you're feeling, you know, all that kind of stuff. And also, if you guys have any cases or, like, specific topics of interest, maybe something you'd like us to cover in the new year, we are all scheduled for the rest of the year. Yep. can't but believe we're us, even saying that. I know, but let us know. We'll drop it into next year's rotation. Yeah, like, so freaking fast. Don't even... Don't you worry. Don't you worry your pretty little faces about it. We love your feedback, so... Yes. And we love you. And thank you so much. And we will catch you next time. Next week. Bye, guys.